welcome to the Creative South podcast. I'm your host, Jason Frostholm. This week, I'm talking with designer, hand lettering artist, and author, Christina Vanko. Christina and I chat about hiding that she was majoring in art from her mom until her senior year of college, collaborating on 100-day projects with a copywriter friend to help push each other further, how her book Adultish came to be, and what she learned while writing it, and more all right after this. It's no secret that I love Jack Prince. They're a longtime sponsor of the podcast and Creative South. Plus, they do great work. Whether they're making our pop-up displays and tablecloths or printing notebooks, Jack Prince is always there when we need them. This year, they are printing new Creative South t-shirts for me and the podcast stickers that have a coupon code on the back that gives you a great discount on all of their products just in time for Creative South. Speaking of stickers, Jack Prince will print any kind, shape, size, or stock, including full-color stickers with full-color liner prints for you to use as product labels, promotions, bumper stickers, hang tags, business cards, and more. Right now, you can get 500 3x3-inch die-cut stickers starting at $149. Plus, Jack Prince is giving Creative South Podcast listeners 15% off all orders over $25 when you use promo code SOUTH15OFF at checkout. Visit jackprince.com for your next order of stickers, prints, or whatever you need today. If you like the Creative South Podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Every dollar helps us cover hosting costs, upgrade equipment, and keep the podcast going. With options starting at just $1 per month, you can help support the podcast and even wind up with some cool Creative South Podcast swag. When you become a Creative South patron, you'll get access to exciting Creative South news before anyone else. A shout out on the podcast thanking you for your support. Creative South Podcast stickers and t-shirts. So, please help support the podcast by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash South. Christina, thanks for joining me tonight. Yeah, thank you. So, 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 where did where did you grow up? We'll we'll just dive right into things. Well, so I grew up in Munster, Indiana. Um, I spent for those of you who don't know where that is, it's a Chicago suburb. Okay. And um, actually, spent half my life in the Illinois side of the suburbs, and then moved to Indiana when I was in fourth grade. So, okay, moved there, and then. If we want to say I grew up through my adult years until I graduated college, I stayed in Indiana because I went Mm -hmm. to Indiana University Mm -hmm. as well. Gotcha. So when when you were growing up, like through primary school and middle school and all that stuff, were you into art as a kid? What what were you into? So I was always into art, mostly because my dad was a um, art teacher at a Chicago public school, Hyde Park Academy. Okay. And he taught there for 36 years. And while growing up, whenever um, he would buy supplies for like the classroom and everything, I'd always be like the one like trying to test everything out, telling him like, let's get more of this so you can bring it home <laughs> and I could play with it. Um, but his love for art didn't end there. He actually um, would take me to comic cons every year growing okay. up. That'd be our family vacation. And so um, until like my dad had his comic con, my mom got to see the sights in San Diego mm-hmm. until I was probably in middle school. I was like, mom, I think I actually want to go hang out with dad and <laughs> meet more artists and kind of see what's going on, at least in the comic scene. Gotcha. Um, so I, I stayed pretty much into art that way okay so when you when you were going to comic cons with your dad when you were you know middle school and all that what was that experience like because this is still before i mean it's really been in the past five ten years that comic con has become this huge event where it's it's barely about comics anymore exactly and my dad would call himself a um, comic con purist and same with a lot of the artists i would always visit growing up they kind of want to just take the convention to like the parking lot next door and create the art part of it just Mm -hmm. because hollywood's taken over so much um but my experience when i was little like it was actually really mesmerizing because i would take a sketchbook around and i would literally go from artist to artist asking like oh can you draw spider-man but 
let's give it a theme. So my like sketchbook stays the same and I'd be interested in baseball. I'd be interested in ballet. Like I would just ask for them to kind of continue the story or continue, um, the storyboard frame by frame with their rendition of whatever character that they drew. And I'm trying to picture Spider-Man in ballet. Yes. (laughs) They, but like seeing everybody create the artwork in front of my eyes. And I did kind of grow up thinking like, Oh, arts for the lucky people. Um, and just seeing people make out of, make a career out of it at a really young age was just like amazing for me as a kid. Um, so yeah, I would spend most of my time in artist alley. Um, got to know a lot of artists, call them my comic con uncles. Um, still keep in touch with them today, but (laughs) the rest of the convention floor was mostly merchandise and video games. And I was never really into any video games. So Mm -hmm. I really just stuck over there. Okay. When, when you got to high school, what were you like trying to seek out electives in art? Any chance you got, what were you, what were you doing? Um, you know what? Unfortunately, I thought I wanted to go to law school then. Um, I okay. was really into science <laughs> because my mom, she was a doctor and oh, kind okay. of was the one who kind of thought about careers and the, you know, you need to study, take all your AP courses, probably just get a more realistic degree. Sure. And Um, it wasn't until I was in college that like I nerded out through high school. I was Mm. on speech and debate, like me and my friends, we quit like cheerleading and dance to be like, we want to get in the college. We are going to join speech and debate when we like rocked at it too. Um, but, um, I was a nerd, so I didn't quite (laughs) follow my like artistic passions then because I thought I could do this stuff on the side. And then I got to college and my classes weren't as challenging as they were in high school. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to take some art classes here and there. And my sister was in law school at the time and basically said, you know what? I know you're really good at art. You're going to be a much better candidate if you major in art versus Mm poli-sci. Like, you're going to be diverse enough to kind of really show them, like, I did this, but I'm also interested in that. But I think that was her actual way of pushing me to follow what where my heart was really set. To rebel and against I'm, what your mom was telling you? Yes, and I'm forever grateful for that because I think I hid my major up until my senior year from her. You <laughs> when hid, I was like, you, how do you, I mean... <laughs> well... I, I have so many to. questions because I mean, even <laughs> all throughout college, um, my parents were asking to see my report card still. Right. Well, because I was always such a good, like I was the kid that would argue for A's instead of A minuses. I was really pushing for as close to a 4.0 I could get. So on and, track for a lawyer. Yes, exactly. But my dad would always tell me to listen to my mom. And then at some point he just gave it and was like, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'm good at keeping secrets. So. Um, and he did. And I think because when I got my first internship, that's kind of when I told my mom, like, actually I've been doing graphic design. Look, look, it's possible. (laughs) Um, so I'm not trying to be a painter mom. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, you know what? That was my first major. And then I took design classes and honestly, Helvetica scared me. And I was like, I don't know. Cause like, I've always been the least designy designer in that, like, I have a messy work environment. I get paint on my hands. I was always in the letterpress shop, like, and nothing kept clean with me, but I still really appreciated typography. So Mm -hmm. being around people who didn't, who, who basically were a lot more organized than me from the get go kind of scared me. Cause I was like, why aren't you guys sketching? Why are you going straight to the computer? This is (laughs) weird. Like tangible objects, like pencils are great. (laughs) So yeah. So, so you were taking a much more tactile approach yes, in college. Yes, always. <laughs> yes. And w- when you were, were you focusing on design as your major after you kind of set painting yeah. aside for a little bit, or did you do like multiple concentrations? Oh, I took printmaking classes still, and the printmakers were like, "We want you. We got a studio for you." And I was like, "Guys, I think I, I think." I need to challenge myself a little bit more with like Photoshop and Illustrator, learning the programs, learning how to do this sort of stuff just to make 
design like a viable career option for me. And I think that was really smart just because I could forever print and paint and everything, but I didn't feel like it was as much of a challenge for me. Mm -hmm. So and design presented that option and knowing that I can incorporate paintings or illustration or, um, screen printing, if I really wanted to into designs really made me excited about it even more. Gotcha. It was the best of all the worlds. As you're going through school and, you know, kind of wrapping things together and tying up towards that internship, had you kind of narrowed your focus of interests within the graphic design world at that point? Well, at the time, I thought I would never touch a website. Sure. Um, I thought I would never get into UI, UX. I thought I would never... I'm still fighting that tooth and nail. I know, right? Um, And then, of course, when you're applying for jobs as you're graduating school, you kind of have to go with whatever will take you because... I'm not going to lie, like applying for creative jobs straight out of school is pretty tough. Like anybody will take you as an intern, but to kind of finally land that first job, um, to have somebody like take you seriously enough, um, was kind of a challenge. And because I had interned so much, I was really surprised by that. So my Mm -hmm. first job ended up being creating websites and apps and dabbling a lot in the UI. So it was very interesting for me, but in the end, it was just another fun challenge because I figured it would be a good idea to help me grow either way. Sure. So when you get out and you're taking that that job doing web stuff and UI and building apps and um, yeah, not no, how long ago did you graduate? Um, I graduated in 2011. Okay. Yeah, they were starting to call it UI then. So yeah, you know, pre 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 um, full UI web 2.0, whatever, you know, it got called at that point. And, and you're, you're, you're doing all this stuff, you know, is, is there a part of you that is still trying to get back to that more tactile um, approach to things? Yes. And I think, that was all my free time. Okay. Um, basically I had just completed my like senior thesis Mm -hmm. and I did my first bit of hand lettering for a campaign for cursive handwriting, just because that's when all the common core laws were getting passed. And, um, I really liked campaign work and I really liked drawing. And I remember my one professor saying like, whatever you do for your BFA thesis, like make sure you're kind of good at it because you don't want to take too big of a risk (laughs) because your show is going to be based on that. And that's kind of what you have to show when you're playing around. And I was like, you know what? I know how to draw. I love campaigns. I'm going to make a campaign for cursive handwriting. And I did. And so I was still getting over all that and like a lot of my interest still lied there that mm. with my first job, any free time I got, I would be trying to letter something. And actually it's really silly to say Instagram first came out there and that's when the community was so fresh and new that people were making like different lettering and design friendships a mm. lot more organically and a lot more than you do now. And it was just a really interesting community and like really kept me going. Mm -hmm. Um, although like if you scroll back at the beginning of my feed, like, of course it's very embarrassing, but like you got to (laughs) start somewhere. And I mean, you're, you're you're supposed to suck when you start. Exactly. Exactly. So you learn. (laughs) Exactly. So I definitely put everything out there that way and use that kind of as a method to like, hold me accountable in a weird way Sure. that like keep creating work and do stuff. Um, and yeah, that's what kept me sane and happy when I was pushing pixels all day. Okay. Uh, you know, as you progressed through this job, what did you end up doing next? So, um, I ended up in advertising, okay. which, um, my copywriter then at the time, her name's Eileen. She's awesome. Um, we met while we were applying for, um, Wyden and Kennedy's 12th program. Mm-hmm. And we both met out there were the two only like Midwest girls. And so everybody was East coast, West coast. And we were like, we're from the middle. So we related to each other 
right away. Sure. And when we got back from applying, we just kept creating side projects together. And although I'm definitely a letter illustrator, I'm still an art director at heart because I really love ideas mm-hmm. and taking an idea and like flushing it out. Like I can letter anything all day, but I really enjoy and I love the meaning behind things. Mm-hmm. So we had been creating side projects together um, in our free time until she was applying for or a recruiter reached out at our first job and she was like, let's apply as a team together. And I was like, that sounds perfect. It'll get me out of Indianapolis. Um, I'll move <laughs> back to Chicago and see what happens there. And it was always, it's a good decision looking back at it now. Sure. Well, you know, why didn't Kennedy's a pretty decent place to work too. So yeah. or, to, or to learn from I I don't know what the working environment is there, but yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, you, you, you basically go in as a team that works out for you. You know, what, what's it like when you start working there? What, what type of things and, and campaigns are you working on and, and, and exploring and how, and how, this is a multi-part question, so stick with me. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and and how during this are you pushing your ability to be an art director and to concept? Yeah. So um, actually, we worked at um, YNR in Chicago, mm-hmm. and that was our first gig, and I guess only gig together professionally. Sure. Um, and what we worked on, we were actually. Um, the team on the baby bell account on the what um baby bell cheese oh okay the little round red that's piece what i of thought cheese. you said i just wanted to make sure i heard it right yes um yeah and so we were on that account we were in charge of social but also because our office was so small and really short staffed we got to touch a lot of the other brands and a lot of the things that normal beginning art and copy pairs probably wouldn't touch. Sure. Um, so in a way it was a really big hustle and bustle. Um, but we learned a ton from it since we touched basically social, um, experiential, um, the like global spot, um, you're concepting for almost everything. And when other teams needed help, we always stepped in, um, to work on a variety of other brands there as well. Um, we worked on pitch work. We also created a lot of stuff on the side as well. Mm-hmm. We both got into the hundred day project, um, right when it was starting our first, actually it was the first project we okay. did. We did a hundred things that should die. Um, <laughs> and we created a little, um, hand lettered graveyard of, things that we wanted to kill off that basically annoyed us in a humorous way, like paying a dollar extra for avocado and, um, only a dollar. (laughs) Yeah. Only a dollar back then. Um, and we, that just kept us sane because client work is difficult sometimes. And a lot of times your ideas don't actually, um, see the light of day. So Mm -hmm. the hundred day project was a great thing for us. Um, and we actually were, um, a finalist in the shorty awards for it, um, (laughs) for Tumblr of the year. So it was kind of really cool to see that like come to light. Yeah. As, as you're taking on more side projects during this, um, you know, how, how long do you and Eileen keep working together on things? Until, so she left me, um, for LA, um, How dare two she? Years ago, I know about two years ago. Um, we still talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> How dare she further her own career? <laughs> oh, I mean, it was, she also moved for a boy. So uh, it's okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, about two years ago. Now. Okay. So, you know, during during your time kind of doing side projects together, how many different projects did you guys take on? Um, in addition to agency work? or Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know. We were always the team that had probably the most projects. Sure. Whenever we had like our um, weekly meeting to kind of go over who was working on what. Mm-hmm. Um, so I... 
I, I just want to answer a lot. <laughs> no, that's a perfectly good answer. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so, you know, and, and during this time, you know, build, building out all of these side projects, not the ones that you're getting paid for, but the, you know, 100 things that should die and, and stuff like that. How are what's your process of collaboration when you're when you're working with her? Um, a lot of times, so because we're friends too. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. We'll, that, that's that's what I'm getting after is how yeah. you know that collaboration process between friends of how that works for you. Right, I think there's a lot more honesty involved, sure. um, and a lot more silly things that come up things, which often lead to the best things because I will say something completely out of left field. And we have got such a great relationship that she'll be like, no, that wasn't dumb because now I'm thinking of this. Mm -hmm. So I think she was always the one that had like, like we always would compare us to like sweet and spicy. Like I was a little bit more innocent one while she would have a little bit more sass. But <laughs> together, like we meet halfway sure. and make sure things are still funny or things still kind of cross the line. But Maybe not too much. Um, so it was a great like working relationship. So, so you don't want to get too dark. <laughs> right. But or yeah, too dark, too messy. Like, you know. Yeah. Too like, risky. We, we keep each other in check. Keep it PG-13. Yeah. Or 17. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, and, and as you're picking up more and more side projects outside of the day job. Yes. And you know, doing more things for yourself. How, how does that help you grow? How does that help you take things back to the day job to expand on? I think it just keeps you sane, happy and fulfilled more than anything. Um, I have a lot of friends that haven't done side projects or worked on things and in result, I don't know how they feel, but like maybe they have more time than mm -hmm. I do because I don't watch TV or anything. I just like making all day. Sure. Um, so I'd say I have. I'm like one of those people that it's kind of difficult for me to relax. Like I always want to be doing something. Uh -huh. So in the end, it makes me happier to know that I had a chance to work on what I want to work on. Um, and. Mm -hmm your free time is that chance. So you might as well use it, especially while you're younger. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. And you know, at through your career, at what, at what point do you decide to go out on your own? Well, the agency decided that they decided for you. <laughs> yep. And it was a really interesting time because I had left and then, um, at the time, I only had three and a half weeks until the deadline of my um, second book. Um, oh, so due. you had already put out your books at this point. Only or, well, at least one. Yeah. Just hand lettering for everyone. Sure. Um, that had came out about a year-ish before. And so I was on top of my last deadline when basically when I was in the process of creating it, I had a lot of artwork. I created the artwork first, of course, um, all by hand. Um, so I had just picked up my, um, ex-boyfriend at the time, well, boyfriend at the time, um, <laughs> from the airport <laughs> and we had gone out to dinner and I had left my artwork in my car and mm -hmm. he left his bag on the, um, in my back seat. So because of that, usually I'm very good at like hiding everything. My car got broken into. Oh, lovely. And so, all my artwork, about three quarters of it was stolen. So at the time, instead of applying for new jobs, I was left to recreate a whole book. Sure. And it was due around the end of October. Mm -hmm. So again, a very interesting time in the year because people aren't hiring quite as much because it's Q4. Um, so I kind of made that work for me and didn't stress out as much as I probably normally would mm -hmm. and use that more as a way to jumpstart freelance and have been doing it ever since. Um, so it was a, definitely an interesting way that I got into like pursuing mostly my side stuff full time, but I still take on agency work here and there, but mm -hmm. it was a, definitely a bigger push than I 
thought it would be. <laughs> sure. So as your freelance stuff grows and you, and you start doing, you know, doing your own thing and taking on your own clients and then, you know, how are you managing to balance that out as, as well as keeping on top of work when you're getting called in to do contract work with an agency or things like that? Um, I try to, of course, um, balance it all as much as I can, whether sure. that means waking up early or staying up later, um, to make sure the freelance non-agency work gets done. Sure. And I'm also one of those, I kind of always hang out at coffee shops on the weekends. So usually you could find me there working as well, <laughs> but in a nice leisurely way, like coffee shops, my way of like treating myself, even if I have to work. Um, it's just using your time wisely, mostly. Mm -hmm. When, when you're, you know, you're in the middle of doing all of this and I, I, I want to back up. Actually, I want to back up first. Let, okay. So let, let's talk about how the hand lettering for everyone came to be. How did, what, what prompted that? What made you decide? I think I want to write a book. Um, actually, so it was a very interesting time in my life too. I was lucky for my first job <laughs> as well. And, um, basically at that time, um, I moved back, um, home, which is Northwest Indiana, mm -hmm. um, close to the city in search of a new job. And at the time my dad had, a, had just retired a few years earlier and had a lot of, um, art supplies in the basement. Mm -hmm. And so one day I was like, you know what, like calligraphy is getting really hot right now. I keep messaging all these calligraphers, what kind of pens they use. Nobody will share their secrets because it wasn't as common in <laughs> 2012. Um, now everybody's like, sponsor me <laughs> here, here are my pens. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot easier, um, to figure that out. So at the time, like a lot of calligraphers were keeping their tools or their, their craft kind of more secret. Sure. So I would be ordering pens all day, trying to figure it out. And then my dad had this really great calligraphy pen that, um, I found in one of his, um, kits of art supplies and I tested it out and I was like, Oh my goodness, this is one of those secret pens that everybody keeps using. It's got a flexible <laughs> nib. The line weight differs. This is so great. And so from that moment on, I was like, I am texting my friends in calligraphy all week. And so I did, and I didn't use my keyboard. Basically I took photos of my messages and hit send. And basically I did a write up about what had happened to me that week. And at the time I was just really seeking to learn calligraphy, mm -hmm. but there were also so many other things I learned about myself, about like technology and all that sort of good stuff. And so the media randomly picked it up and thought I was this digital detox queen and <laughs> it was everywhere. It was a fast company. It was in like a major Italian newspaper that one of my exchange student friends was like, I just saw you in the newspaper here. This is major. Um, like, Glamour Paris, um, Huffington Post, like it got viral. Um, it was insane that I just remember, um, getting an email from my now editor saying she saw the article, like, are you interested in writing a book? And at the time I was kind of debating going back to school for, um, design just because I really do want to teach one day. Mm -hmm. Um, and I thought, well, wait all my grad student friends told me to wait so many years so I could really enjoy it. But maybe this is a good way of learning how to teach. Um, so I saw it as a great opportunity to kind of teach hand lettering and really honed me in on my practice and my process. Mm -hmm. um, so in a way, the internet drove me to my editor and found me that way. <laughs> okay. So, so as you're, as you're working on the book, well, a let me back up. I want to dive in. What was her pitch like? I mean that 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 had to have been an interesting conversation. What was her what like? You said her her pitch to you. 
Um, she was just asked, like, it was really casual and really nice and like just a nice conversation. Like, Hey, you're interested in this. Like, are you interested in creating a book on it? And basically after that, I created a formal pitch. It looked like a beautiful infographic. And then she was like, no, can you write me an outline? (laughs) And I was like, Oh, that's what you mean. I'm just designing (laughs) everything right now. Sure. Um, yeah. And I created a formal, what I found via Googling book pitch. (laughs) And we took it from there. It was really unreal at the time. Um, especially cause I was, I think 23 years old and Penguin Random House is a huge publisher and it just didn't seem real. So I really tried to design everything and really, really let the work shine and like dreams basically came true. So during, during this process though, you're still kind of learning how to do hand lettering and and, yes. and 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 honing your skills as you're writing it how are exactly. you how are you translate the, translating that into teachable lessons for the book i think really breaking it down to understandable terms sure um versus treating everything I mean, I had just graduated college not too long before then. Sure. And I just remember how dry that language was and just really kind of casually talking about it in a fun way versus keeping it dry. Um, I think that helped me kind of understand um, what I was doing as well Um, and pretending that I'm explaining the craft to friends versus Mm -hmm. writing an academic paper. That I'm trying to imagine an academic paper on that. And I think it it would bore you to tears. Yes. And I also in college took like an art of like my art history classes were art of graphic novel, art of um, (laughs) comics. And oh, God, I I wish I'd had that option. Right. And I remember my professor because I took my intensive writing class with that professor. He Mm -hmm. was like have a conversation with your paper. This is comics we're talking about. We are not talking about the Renaissance. We are not talking about ancient Egypt. Like, have a conversation. And I think that also really helped me at the time break out of that shell. Okay. And and what was that process like for you? Because, you know, you're having to work with an editor. What, What, how does that process work? The going back and forth and you know, receiving notes on what you've written and and stuff like that. Right. So there were, I believe, three check-ins at the time. One was a manuscript. Sure. And then there was edits to the manuscript plus illustrations and then final files. And then after you submit final files, of course, there's edits from there on. Mm -hmm. But basically the meat is already created and it's just printers, notes, and all that sort of stuff to make sure that you have a very great, principal object versus mm-hmm. the screen that you've been looking at before <laughs> for the past like year ish. It yeah. was insane. Um, but yeah, so basically wrote my manuscript and I did do that everything kind of in separate processes just because it was 200 and something pages. It's a long piece of work. So I had to kind of think about what I was writing about before creating illustrations mm-hmm. and then seeing how that all fits in to the learning process um, and what phrases would go where and like everything. So after having that manuscript, that second round of edits was a lot easier because that's when art was added. And, um, and then that just really basically sealed the deal in terms of final files. Mm -hmm. So we did go back and forth a little bit, but there was a lot of trust put into um, my teaching process which I really appreciated um, as I was actually writing it too. Gotcha. And, you know, and, and as you're figuring out your teaching process and your writing process, how, how does that evolve the way that you work and the way that you start to tackle projects and, and think about things? Um, I think... In terms of how I work, like my day job, you mean? Yeah. Um, I think it 
gave me something to look forward to more than anything um, to work on. Um, and I think you just break things down a little bit more as you do with any brief. Sure. You kind of figure out what the main points you're really trying to hit home and where you could have some creative liberties into taking your idea to that next level. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of figuring a way to kind of do what you want to do if you kind of had a idea for whatever brand you're working on ahead of time and working within those limits. Okay. When you, when you wrap this book, how long does it take before the idea kind of pops into your head to, um, start on adultish? Um, very soon after, because I think I was 25, Mm -hmm. 26 at the time, 26. How old am I now? 29. I was 26. (laughs) (laughs) Reverse math. Right, right. And so I live in the Midwest and I feel like things get, things settle a little bit quicker here than they do on both of the coasts. So I had a lot of friends getting married, a lot of friends saying they're old, a lot of friends preferring to stay in instead of going out and like meeting up. And the one thing freelancing's taught me is I'm a huge extrovert mm-hmm. um, and I need to do stuff. And so whenever I'd hear my friends complain about this sort of stuff, I was like, guys, lifespans are getting longer. We are healthier humans now. We could still do things like don't act like we're adults and we're dying. Um, so <laughs> instead of kind of relishing in how old we are, I decided to celebrate those moments and kind of figure out this whole adult thing and taking it as what it is versus complaining all of a sudden. Sure. Um, and so my editor reached out and said, I loved working with you. What do you have ideas? And I was like, yes, this is what I'm going through right now. And I feel like a lot of the projects I've created since then are just basically a, like I'm trying to make art about my life mm-hmm. and like, Cause it's just so relatable. And so adulting or being an adult was one of those things that just felt so real to me. Sure. Um, and it made sense and that's how adultish came about. Okay. So for people who aren't familiar with adultish and possibly not familiar with your hundred days of adulting, um, project kind of yeah. walk people, walk people through that. Well, hey, let me ask this first. Which one came first? <laughs> oh, you know what? They both came around the same time. Okay. Um, I started the book, and then I think I was just compiling so many moments, and I really have so much love for El Luna's 100-Day Project mm-hmm. that um, I wanted to create something for it and build a community that could kind of laugh with me. And... That it did. It's kind of crazy. So that's how 100 Days of Adulting came about on Instagram, although it also... Um, I'm trying to remember what I asked. But it was basically we were talking about before we were so interrupted by... So rudely interrupted by them <laughs> closing their coffee shop. I know. At a reasonably early time. Right. Um, we, <laughs> we, were, we were talking about adultish and 100 Days of Adulting and yes. which came first and how they kind of came about yes okay so they came around the same time um i think i officially had the book offer um before i started the instagram project but El luna is a hundred day project really really pushed me to kind of create in years past that i really wanted to kind of contribute again mm-hmm. and at the time i had so many um moments of adulting that i just wanted to create a project out of it and mm-hmm. kind of create a community from there on so other people could kind of laugh with me about these little moments that kind of make us realize that we're adults. Okay. And you know, what, what, for you, <laughs> for you, what were some of the revelations that, uh, you know, cause we, we do live in this extended adolescence now yes. that, mm-hmm. you know, generations before us didn't, um, didn't really have, um, and I, I, I'm a little older than you. So I, I mean, I think, 
I think that really started kind of with the Gen X generation of yes. <laughs> that, that sort of thing. What were some of the revelations that you experienced as you were writing this that made you, you know, either kind of realize, yeah, kind of realize adult. it and em- embrace adulthood. And what were the ones that made you run away from it as well? I think the ones that made me run away from it, but also realize that I'm actually like growing as a person and a human mm-hmm. were like admitting to my vulnerabilities. Um, those are like the deeper pages, sure. <laughs> the deeper things that I've realized and seeing, um, another thing too, is like, as you grow up, you see a lot of friends and they're doing well and you kind of feel bad about yourself, but like knowing, Hey, like, this is great. You should be happy for your friends. Don't see them as competition anymore. They're all doing their thing and you've got your own thing going on. Except so, for you, like, Debbie. Except for you. <laughs> yeah. So, like, those are, like, the things that, like, I really realized I'm a grown-up. But then there are other things, like, that are funny. Like, keeping plants alive or, like, knowing I really I'm still not good have... at that one. Yeah. I killed a lot of plants this winter, unfortunately. Chicago has been rough yeah. in terms of cold weather. But, like, other things, like put throwing a sweater on instead of like turning up the heat um and then not adopting that cute dog that you really want but you know you can't take care of it like there are certain <laughs> things sure like that that really make you realize like oh i'm making an adult decision whether i know it or not gotcha and and you know as as you're writing these and progressing forward and and the books coming along because you know the the stuff on the Instagram is just quick little blurbs. It's it's, yes. it's one sentence essentially. Yes. You know, I mean, I, you know, technically a book is made up of individual sentences, but those yes. sentences all have to tie into coherent thoughts and paragraphs, right? And stuff like that. Exactly. You can't just write a book that's a bunch of one liners. How are you exploring and expanding on those? I think. Of course, putting it all together as a whole book about growing up mm-hmm. and kind of thinking of all those stages and moments that kind of make up whatever this thing called adulthood is sure. kind of legitimized it. It is still a creative workbook um, in that there are, there are one-liners here and there, but yeah. it's also asking the user or reader to kind of fill out their experience as well. So it's an interactive experience, Mm -hmm. but I think like thinking of it in terms of, okay, so this does have a beginning, middle and end. Sometimes in my readers' lives, they might come at different stages, but that's why there's no page numbers. You can't really, you cannot clearly pinpoint when you're going to do whatever in life. And that's kind of what my point was there. You could open to any certain page and, figure out, Oh, I'm at this moment or I'm not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what, what was the, what was the biggest revelation to yourself that, uh, you were, you know, growing and expanding? What, I guess what was the deep dive that hit you the hardest is what I'm trying to ask. I think kind of there is like, we all have our own life and there's no set timeline. My cousin and I, tell each other that all the time because my mom's side of my family like a lot of my cousins are married and I'm getting older but I'm not old but do I also have to get married so like there are all these milestones if they if I hit them I hit them if I don't that's okay too and I think realizing that there is no set path for my life well I mean if you were still in Indiana and Mike Pence was still governor you know you might have to get married at some point I think that might have become a law you know you know what the saddest part about living in Indianapolis was, is I, I lived across the street from the governor who ran against, or the governor, gubernatorial candidate mm-hmm. that was running against Pence, and he was the best neighbor ever, and he was a Democrat, so <laughs> I wish I would have campaigned harder for him. <laughs> but he's, yes. he's not freakishly scared of gay people? <laughs> no, no, he, he was a great guy, and his... Um, his campaign had mustaches before mustaches were popular. So he, he nice. knew. So, <laughs> but yeah, I think, yeah, just knowing that my, I, my life has no set path. Sure. was very comforting to me. Sure. Um, and yeah. <laughs> what was it? Was it more comforting or was it freeing? I'm, I'm curious. 
It was more freeing in that I think the way I looked at life graduating college, I thought I was going to move to New York and thought that was permanent Mm -hmm. and nothing is permanent. Nothing has to be permanent. So I think after I realized that it was freeing and then it did comfort me a bit into knowing that things change and that's okay. (laughs) I mean, Chicago is no slouch of a city. (laughs) What did you say? I said, Chicago is no slouch of a city. No, no, not at all. But like, I still like, if you know me like really well, I love to travel. Mm -hmm. I love, um, being in new places and I love being uncomfortable and kind of discovering things on my own. And I just, there's like a thrill to that. And knowing nothing's permanent means I could be living anywhere tomorrow, Mm -hmm. um, which is really exciting to me. And yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, as, as you get older and are, are, are there things that, you know, you look back on that you're like, no, I'm okay with this evolving into more of an adult thing um, and, and other things that you're still kind of fighting against and trying to rebel against? Um, I think it's just having, <laughs> I think I still like doing things and like sure. getting people to come out and whether it is like a Sunday afternoon activity or going out and going to the newest like cocktail bar um, later at night, it is kind of like pulling teeth for some people. I, re- <laughs> I recommend three dots on a dash. Yes, it's good, but Lost Lake is good too. That's yes, their other one. <laughs> I, I love, yeah, uh, that was going to be my other recommendation. Yes, yes. Love a good tiki bar. Yes, we do. Um, but yeah, I think that's my kind of childish way of rebelling is mm-hmm. just like making sure people stay out past their bedtimes. <laughs> <laughs> On a school night too sometimes. On too. a school night too, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that gets harder once you have kids. Yeah. <laughs> speaking oh, speaking from experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, one of the things you mentioned and, and, and you kind of, I mean, you didn't say it explicitly when you were talking about that, but you are, you are an extrovert and, yes. and you obviously like people and you like talking and all that, but being a freelancer can be very isolating at times. Oh yes. <laughs> so, yes. so how, how do you combat that? Um, I go to coffee shops that close way too early. <laughs> as as we've determined today. <laughs> yes, we've determined this. Um, yeah, I go to coffee shops a lot of times. Um, also, I haven't really worked out of um, co-working spaces quite as much just mm-hmm. because I feel like the ones in Chicago are a little bit more like startup centric. Sure. Um, and being a creative in, and a space that is a little bit more perfect. I don't want to call our jobs not professional, but mm. at least less are less conservative. Jeans um, and a t-shirt I, are perfectly okay business work right, for us. Right, exactly. But I just prefer coffee shops in general, and I sure. like going different places. And kind of the buzz of a coffee shop kind of keeps me going because, like, you never know what other people are working on. It's mm. actually a really exciting place. Kind of like how you never know what people are like going to and from in an airport it's kind of the same thing with a coffee shop and I mean sometimes you use drops and some pretty cool conversations too (laughs) (laughs) so I kind of feel like people there at least kind of a community of sorts that I pretend that are my friends sure so so you're saying you have imaginary friends yes of course (laughs) (laughs) gotcha well as we're getting kind of close to our time i'm curious as to you know what you have coming up and you know the like the 100 day project stuff is kind of right right at the beginning again for this year yes what what's your what you're working on for your 100 day project this year this year so i haven't really told many friends but um (laughs) right now in my life i'm dating a lot (laughs) so i'm creating and it's a really weird experience just because dating today is a lot different than it was years ago so i I created (laughs) i haven't had to date in 15 years so you're really lucky (laughs) i was not good at it when i was doing it so i you know i i count myself as very lucky (laughs) right (laughs) 
Yeah, you definitely are. Um, so I created a new Instagram called Good Date or Good Story, kind of mm-hmm. under the idea that there are no bad dates. There are good stories. Sure. Um, and if I'm going to be doing this whole dating thing, I might as well make it fun um, for myself if I never land another date. So I'm just kind of illustrating. Well, hopefully that's but- not the case. Oh my goodness. It's so hard out here (laughs) (laughs) to be honest. Um, but yeah, so I'm kind of creating stories from it and kind of really like zoning in on the cute, like little things that I'm discovering about others and myself Mm -hmm. and kind of, it just kind of helps process dating in general for me. So it's been good. And I'm also trying to illustrate portraits. Mm -hmm. So I haven't done that in a very long time. So I'm learning a lot there too. Gotcha. Well, I'm curious now, since part of your 100-day project uh, is revolving around dating, what is your best uh, story? Um, doesn't necessarily have to be from this year, but just in general, what is your uh, best story that you've come up with? So far, you know, it, it's kind of funny. Other than there was this, huh, oh man, a couple of them have ended up being from real life experiences versus like the online dating experience. Sure. Like actually asking a guy out in an Uber type of situation. (laughs) But the other week um, I ended up giving a guy my number because he had a really great pen in his pocket. And I asked him whether I could test it out. And (laughs) as like I felt like that was very on brand for me. So I was really hoping that one work, <laughs> would work out. But I remember telling him like... The 12 year that, old in me wants to make a lot of innuendo jokes right now. I'm just telling what you. What did you say? I said the 12 year old in me wants to make a lot of innuendo jokes yeah. about puns right now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I wrote my number on his hand. And I remember thinking like, oh, I hope I gave the wrong number. And I hope you could read that fancy zero. Because <laughs> it had a loop. <laughs> um but yeah, you had a great pen. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe that's your best story. <laughs> at least for right now. Oh, at least for right now. <laughs> at least mostly because I I was very shy before all this too. And I feel like I've, I'm becoming more real with myself with age. Sure. And like if I see somebody that I could possibly be interested in, I kind of go for it. And especially in this online dating society, nobody really is ballsy anymore so i I wasn't very ballsy to begin with so i I, I couldn't tell you i never was either but i feel like i'm just going for it now i mean i do have better stories in terms of like (laughs) being on a date um pretending i was a sorority girl because the guy called me a hipster was like i could have been in a sorority and then he believed me uh like stuff like that why why did he call you a hipster because creatives get a bad rap sometimes. <laughs> well, people, um, we're not all hipsters. I know. I mean, you don't have and a curly Q mustache. Exactly. That's what I was trying to prove. I was like, I could have been in a sorority. I went to a very big, big ton school. And then after he told me his favorite band was Coldplay, that was a red flag. Uh, I'm sorry. If you like yeah. Coldplay. No, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm okay that, with a couple songs, but they're not yeah, going to be okay. my choice of go to. Right. Only a couple of songs that basically I played along with that and was like, oh, yeah, I love them and named off a lot of bro-y bands like Waka Flocka and (laughs) really like bad stuff. And he was like, you were in a sorority. I was like, why would I lie? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I I mean, I I can't say anything. I legitimately was in a fraternity in college. Really? But yeah. (laughs) But I was also the art major in a fraternity, so I yeah, yeah, they were rare to come by. Yeah, I mean, looking back on it, if I had to do it again, it probably would not have been my. You know, it was very much a square peg in a round hole sort of thing. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, but no, I got plenty of stories, and we'll definitely be posting them as they <laughs> come through. Yeah, so. I, I I would have to say my most interesting story and i'll give the very short version of it is when this is when i was in college was i went on a date with a girl 
things just didn't click. Um, I, w- I was actually living in the fraternity house at this point. Yeah. Um, but our fraternity house was really just dorms with a much larger car- common. Oh, area. totally. Yeah. Um, but the, um, I you know, was honest with the girl because uh, she was like, we should do this again. And I was just like, I don't remember what I said to her, but it, the gist was, mm, yeah, I don't think we should. And uh, yeah. came out the next morning to having I love you um, <gasps> and oh I hate you and about five different things written in lipstick all over my windshield. I hope it was good lettering. Uh, no, it was not. It was <laughs> you know, psycho scroll. Right, right. So, oh, my goodness. I mean, thankfully, yeah. like she didn't stalk me or anything after that. So, you know, it could have been worse. Right. Yeah, definitely. It always could be worse. Yes. At least that's a good mindset to have. (laughs) So, yeah, that's why I go back to I was not good at dating because most of my dating was lots of first dates that ended badly. And then, you know, other date, others that just evolved into relationships. There was no real like middle ground of, hey, we went on a few dates. Things didn't work out. (laughs) Right. Right. No, exactly. Yeah. Well, ghosting's real. Yes, um, I've heard. Yep. It's becoming very normalized. Yeah. Yeah. So That, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've been reaching out to people asking why, like the why, just to see if I'll get answers back. Sure. Just to see. Um, and so like know that like, hey, I'm a human too. You shouldn't treat people like this. Yeah. And um, so I've been getting some responses i was about to say the people who ghost you do they ever actually respond um some do you'd be surprised wow um yeah so yeah but mostly i think i'm just learning a lot more about myself than others i mean others too but yeah so so you've learned that you don't want to date people whose favorite band is coldplay oh my gosh yeah no definitely not (laughs) (laughs) can't (laughs) <laughs> I don't even know where to go from there. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. as as we're wrapping up, what what else exciting do you have on tap? Well, I'm also pitching new book ideas right oh, now. Oh, really? Yes. I'll um, let you keep those secrets since you're still pitching them. Yeah. So hopefully you'll see something new from me within the next year or so. I mean, I feel like um, you could do a whole book on the, the perils of dating and in in this time frame oh oh definitely that's that's another thing like i appreciate all the stories that come out of it and i don't want to forget them so mm-hmm. whether it compiles into a book or just an instagram feed of my personal life for everybody to see it's okay <laughs> cool um so yeah so pitching another book what else you got going on um i've been getting into a lot of food lettering lately um i noticed and- that Yes, it's been so much fun. And I think I really enjoy, like, the, of course, tangible aspect of it, but mm-hmm. also how if you make a mistake, you really learn how to sculpt and work with it versus sure. just tearing everything down and restarting. Have, uh, have you reached out to Daniel Evans to uh, get yes, pointers from yes. her? I love Daniel. Yeah, she's great. Uh, yeah, so been really getting into that. Um, I mean, we'll see where these portraits take me maybe i'll be a portrait no i'm joking i'm so bad at drawing people they're so hard um yeah i I hear you yeah so i don't know really getting into illustration i'd love to do murals um trying to kind of reach out to people there Mm -hmm. um i spent a month in buenos aires and got so inspired by all the murals everywhere there so i would love to do something soon that um but yeah just really a lot of illustration and lettering most of all. Gotcha. Well, as, as we come to a close here, where, where can people find you online? Um, you can find me at, at Christina Vanko on Twitter, Instagram. Um, and that's C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A V-A-N-K-O. Everybody spells my name wrong with an H. So no H. (laughs) I feel that's your parents' fault. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes, <laughs> it definitely is. And then also a hundred days of adulting, mm-hmm. um, adultish book <laughs> and good date or good story. And we'll link to all this in the show notes so people can find it too. Yes. 
Cool. Well, Christina, thank you so much for uh, for taking the time to uh, chat with me tonight and playing musical chairs at coffee houses. Oh and... my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I swear Don't the coffee apologize. shop seems great. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. It was so great talking to you. You too, and go out and hug some necks. Yes. <laughs> You can find out more about Christina on Twitter at Christina Venko. And be sure to check out the links in the show notes for more ways to keep up with her. You can keep up with the podcast on Twitter and Facebook at Creative SO Pod and follow Creative South on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Creative South GA over at CreativeSouth.com. And I'm at Jay Frostholm on Dribble, Twitter, and Instagram. Jack Prince is giving Creative South podcast listeners 15% off all orders over $25 when you use promo code SOUTH15OFF at checkout. Visit jackprince.com for your next order of stickers, prints, or whatever you need today. For a limited time, new Skillshare customers can get their first three months for just 99 cents to get unlimited access to thousands of classes when you sign up at Skillshare.com using promo code CREATIVESOUTH. What are you waiting for? Start learning today. And... Remember, if you like the show, help support us over at patreon.com slash creative south. And if you like the Creative South podcast, head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. Rate us and leave a review. This helps more people find the podcast and allows us to keep getting awesome guests. Now go out and hug some necks. <laughs> <laughs>